As the year has progressed, the educational landscape has changed dramatically during the school year. Districts throughout the country have multiple learning environments from distance learning, face-to-face, -face, or a hybrid system. Regardless of how the students are learning, educators everywhere are asking what technology tools are going to provide the most engagement, accurate assessments, and organization of the curriculum. This week's guest, Jake Miller, shares how his journey from technology coach to science teacher has influenced his choice of technology tools and has changed his perspective on how to lead during this time of change. In this episode, we also discuss changing the collaboration model, engagement strategies on online learning, effective technology tools, and his passion project, Educational Duct Tape Podcast. Welcome back, everyone, to Aspire, the Leadership Development Podcast, where we will be discussing the visions, inspirations, and experiences from top educational leaders. My name is Joshua Stamper, and you can connect with me on Twitter or on Instagram at Joshua double underscore Stamper. Jake, thank you so much for being on the podcast. Hey, Joshua, thanks for having me on, man. I feel like I'm moving up from the JV squad to the varsity squad because <laughs> we were just chatting about how I did a did two short stints on on the show so now i'm on the i'm on the aspire varsity podcast squad right now i'm you, glad to be here <laughs> you were always on the varsity squad man you were like my go-to without going to i don't know how to explain that but dude i, I was just wasn't getting minutes coach put me in <laughs> <laughs> you are now a starter my friend i was thinking about it though we haven't really talked to each other for almost like a year at the teacher yeah, conference a, yeah it was kind of a surreal moment i remember coming in to speak my very first thing and i look over <laughs> And you were introducing me, and I was like, yeah. "This is backwards. I need to be introducing him. This is <laughs> this is not right." And then had the pleasure of sitting next to you for the full weekend in the podcasters' row, and um, yeah. got to see you work your magic. How are you doing, my friend? I'm doing okay. Yeah, it's it's been it's a different world from what it was at October or November of 2019. We were at that event, and that was crazy. Yeah, I yeah. remember. Uh, introducing you for your session and you rocked it and then doing the Thank podcasting, which was such a cool feel uh, hanging out down there, doing the podcasting, you know, Aspire being down there and educational duct tape being there and hanging out down there doing doing podcasts live on the spot and seeing a bunch of awesome educators and the, just mm -hmm. the excitement about everything. And then the whole world kind of changed uh, yeah. not too long after that as has become a pattern in all the conversations we have of how, of how much things have changed. You know, at, th at that time, I was a tech coach, which is still my passion. You know, I, I still geek out about helping other educators with, with educational technology, you know, but the pandemic kind of brought uh, a financial impact to, to school districts everywhere. And, you know, my school district had to make some changes as many do. And so now I'm back in the classroom teaching science, which is, which is cool too, because I spent five years tech coaching and going like, Hey, you should use Flipgrid and you should use Pear Deck. Or have you ever made a hyperdoc? Or have you ever done this? Have you ever set, set things up like that? Have you ever tried this? And now I'm like, all right, now time to, you know, put my money where my <laughs> mouth is and actually do all these things I've been talking about for years uh, and try them out. It's, it's certainly not the kind of classroom setting I expected to be trying them out in you know, with our, with our educational world kind of being flipped on its head. But yep. uh, it is exciting to try new things out in the classroom every day. So I want to talk about that transition going from a tech coach to now a teacher. Mm -hmm. And I don't know about you, but like our district's gone through like all different models. You know, we're face-to-face, -face, yeah. we got virtual, we've got some hybrid uh, models. So um, I know for some teachers who felt like they had a, a good grasp on technology and the, all those different tools, and then they go into the virtual world and they're like, yeah, I, I'm not prepared for this. Um, yeah. How is that not only going back to the classroom, but then also having to be so dependent on technology and, and going into that virtual world? 
Yeah, it's it's the hardest part of it. It's it, first of all, it's hard. Yeah. It's it's difficult as all get out. And the hardest part about it is is it's it's not just whether or not you're good at technology or not because because I don't want to toot my own horn. I I am like I'm good with educational technology. I know more educational technology tools than anybody that I know in my in my normal circle. You know, sure. except for some people out there on Twitter. I don't know them all, but I know a lot more than most educators around me. And yet I'm still struggling. And I think the problem is, is that the technology is no longer just the, you know, like the secret sauce we're putting in our lessons and things like that. Now it is, it's the main course, it's the appetizer, it's the dessert, it's everything. It's the whole thing. And it's a lot to juggle. And it's a lot for the kids too, to, to depend on their screens so much, Mm -hmm. you know, so it's, it's crazy, you know, in my role, we just recently transitioned from being fully remote to now being kind of a hybrid plan. And both of them have their own idiosyncrasies, but it's just a lot of reliance on tech. And there's some things that I've discovered and tried out and learned uh, along the way that I'm really excited about, but it's still, it's just hard work day in and day out for sure. And, and so and my heart's going out to all the other teachers out there. I, I, I feel the pain of this. We're all on a one big struggle bus together right now. Yeah. So talking about struggles, I know a lot of teachers are having a difficult time with the collaboration piece, right? So mm. if you're in a face-to-face, every kid has to be six feet apart or you have partitions yeah. in between. Or if you're in the virtual space, having breakout rooms are a possibility without, you know, whatever tool you're using, if it's Zoom or uh, Google mm-hmm. Meets or whatnot. So for you, have you found any strategies to help with collaboration with your students you know nothing is the perfect you know silver bullet in those situations but a a couple of the things that i i lean on you know before before i do so i I do use breakout rooms pretty pretty regularly uh and i i always either send them in there to go over something they've already done whether it's maybe you know everybody did an activity and now they're going to go in and go over the answers together and when i do something like that i always say okay there's nine questions on this activity I'm putting three people in each breakout room. The first thing you do is say, I've got one, two, and three. I've got four, five, six, and I've got seven, eight, nine to make sure every kid knows they're responsible for something when they get in there. So it might be something like that where they've already done the work and now they're just kind of um, sharing and collaborating together. Uh, Or it might be something where there's a very specific product that they're trying to come out, uh, come up with. So maybe instead of it being, you know, a nine question hyperdoc or whatever it might be or activity that they're coming in to go over, maybe they're doing it together, but they have something very specific and something measurable they're doing in there. Uh, and I try to identify roles before they go in there. Uh, and then I, I'm just jumping into jumping into the breakout rooms and checking in on all of them. They, they need to see me peeking in there and observing <laughs> them every now and then to, to you know to keep them honest. Sure. Uh, but I, I find that works well with breakout rooms. And then away from the collaboration feature is just to just to be doing things where I know all kids are participating at all times because. Mm-hmm. It's so easy for those kids. It's just like us sitting in a, at a faculty meeting or a staff meeting, you know, when the, when the, the administrator is talking to, to everybody and we're not actively engaged and we're not super excited about what they might be talking about, you know, we might glaze over every now and then and not really focus. So I try to do a lot of things that keep the kids actively engaged for a couple of different reasons. Number one, it lets me measure that they're engaged. Mm-hmm. You know, like I, I could see like, oh, Johnny doesn't have his webcam on, but I can see Johnny's participating, right? right. Um, but also it lets me do a lot of formative assessment too. And, and it really Im- improves that kid's experience too, because they are more engaged and actively involved and, you know, and, and interact, being interactive in the lesson, the learning experience. So as far as the actively engaged piece, I think that's 
a perfect segue because you know going into classrooms either virtually or in face to face you know even our face to face model you know every kid is one to one device which i've been longing for for years but this is a little bit different it's now a yeah. necessity versus before it was a luxury and yeah. even though they're in the classroom face to face you know the engagement looks so different because there's still a screen in front of them so what are some techniques that you've been using to get students excited and to go beyond their screen to really dive into a topic especially in science where it's so like hands-on and um, yeah it's so different now with with all these different models yeah well there's nothing hands-on happening in my classroom right now because we're, we're not you know we're not able to do stuff like that that's really hands-on sure. uh, and we, we we just switched to hybrid so i'm still kind of experimenting with that model of how do i make the collaboration work in the classroom we're six feet away because you used to be able to go like all right you four over in that corner you four over in that corner you four over in that corner and now it's like you four in this 24 square foot area and you <laughs> yeah. four in this 24 square foot area yep. you've really got to got to spread them out more so it's difficult this was, I think, a best practice even in a pre-2020 classroom was that when you put them in that that group setting to have some kind of collaborative document or something that they're working in there, whether it's a Google Slides or Google Doc or something like that. And if it's not collaborative, maybe it's individual where they're all kind of taking their own notes. Um, but I, I think it's great to have some kind of some kind of framework, you know, that they're, they're using there, something that they're going through and working through, especially as we scaffold in that kind of collaboration. Mm -hmm. You know, if you're maybe working with high schoolers who have had a lot of experience with collaboration, or if you're in quarter four of a school year and you've really uh, done a lot of collaboration, maybe they don't need those kinds of scaffolds in there. But I think in general, something that scaffolds in maybe what the requirements are, I mean, what the learning standards are, maybe a rubric, maybe just a, a collaborative note-taking space, uh, or some questions they're supposed to be asking as they go, or just a, a note-taking space, you know, something something that lets them talk and communicate. And that works great in a breakout room too, mm -hmm. but also, you know, lets them talk and communicate in a face-to-face -face setting and kind of have that. And that's, that's a measurable for the teacher too, which is nice to kind of see what happened when you mm -hmm. can't see it all at once. You know, everything has changed, obviously, drastically because of the pandemic. But, you know, I'm just wondering about the future because there has been so many changes. Are there any things that you believe we're going to keep beyond this new reality of ours? Well, so let me let me break that into two pieces. So one piece is what we're going to keep as educators. And I think one thing that I'm really excited about and, and one thing that I was really preaching before this all happened was for educators to stop feeling overwhelmed by all the technology tools out there because they don't have to learn them all. But for educators to think, what is my problem? What is my goal? What is my need? What is it that I need to achieve in my classroom? And, and what's at the, you know, the top of the pile? What's my big priority right now? And then to identify a, a tool to do that for them. And it was hard to sell educators on that before because they were overwhelmed. And I don't, I don't blame them for being overwhelmed. Mm -hmm. uh, but that was the, the drum that I was pounding. You know, it, it, <laughs> I talk sometimes in, in talks that I give about my least favorite six words. And my least favorite six words are, where should we go for dinner? And now it's like, where should we go to takeout from, right? Because right. things have changed. Who's but we all hate we all hate it when the spouse says, where should we go to? Because you know, like, I'm going to say our local burrito joint and my wife's not going to want it and the kids aren't going to want it, right? And so I'm going to keep suggesting things and she's going to shut them all down. So... <laughs> What I always do is I always ask a series of questions, you know, like, well, are you in the mood for Mexican? Are you in the mood for burgers? Are you in the mood for salad? Do you want, do you want, do you want to be fast? Do you want to be sit down? Do you want to have a drink with dinner? All these questions until I can kind of narrow down 
uh, a set of things where I could just make the choice. Mm -hmm. The way that works in educational technology is if you can get down to the point like, okay, what you're thinking about is formative assessment. And what you kind of need is really quick formative assessment data. And you need it individualized per student. You know, every student. Okay, well, these are the four tools you can decide between. And then the teacher gets to go, oh, I like that one. Like that one fits my style best, right? Mm -hmm. You don't have to think about Flipgrid or Pear Deck or Google Classroom or uh, Adobe Spark, all wonderful tools. They're just not meeting that specific goal that you have right there, right? So we really sure. narrow it down through that question. And it, it was hard to get educators to do that before because they, they were feeling so overwhelmed. They were feeling this paralysis by having so many choices to, to choose between an ed tech. And then in the spring, we, we picked up that mindset very quickly without even planning on it. Educators went like, oh man, okay, I need to be able to talk to my kids synchronously. I need to be able to um, collect work from them and I need to be able to send lessons out to them. And they went, okay, I'm going to learn how to use Zoom. I'm going to get better at Google Classroom and I'm going to start recording videos with Screencastify. And maybe it was different tools, but sure. very quickly they were able to identify some tools to learn because they had very, they had very specific identified needs. Mm -hmm. And so I think now our educators are going to be able to very quickly go, what is it that I need? What do I want to get out of it? What does a good product look like here for me? And then they could really simply look at what are these, what's this handful of tools that I could look at and the choice gets much easier. So I think that's one thing that's going to stick around is educators are going to be much more adept at identifying a problem, need, or goal, and then, then selecting a technology that goes with it. And the other thing for on the student end that I think is going to stick around, one thing that I've been excited about as a, as a dad is watching how much more um, independent and responsible and higher order th thinking skills, uh, or I'm sorry, executive functioning skills that my, that my own children have developed. Yeah. Like my, so my, my kids in their school, they are in school two days and off school three days and they've worked to do those three days. And I'll talk to the kids at the end of the day and my son will say, well, I decided to do all of my math today and I'm going to save my science for tomorrow. Even though I was supposed to do both, like a little bit of math on both days and a little bit of science on both days, I just decided that this felt better to me. Mm -hmm. But he's, he's also going, okay, this is about an equivalent amount of time. If I do it this way, I'll still get done in time. And some days he'll go like, or my daughter will say like, oh, I did one extra activity tomorrow. And I'm gonna do one extra activity on Thursday. And then on Friday, I'll get done in like two hours and be able to go outside and play. Right. And it, it's really cool seeing them develop this responsibility and them asking for help when they need help because they it just wasn't always part of their, their educational experience because just of the of the way a traditional classroom looks. And so I think our kids are getting so much more responsible um, and they're developing educational technology skills at, at light speed. I mean, they, they've, they've got to. Um, unfortunately, that does create a little bit of a gap, a divide that we really need to work on for some kids in some, some you know, more difficult situations with access to tech. Um, but when the situation is right, I think exciting things are happening for kids. So Jake, I want to know about how much time you put in a week. Is it just an insane amount right now? Yeah, the, 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 I, I feel like I've got like two 50-hour jobs, right? So I've got, the, <laughs> I've got one 50-hour job as an eighth grade science teacher, and then I've got one 50-hour job as a, as a podcaster and, and blogger and, and speaker and stuff like that. But for me, I think a lot of educators and, and you included, um, this is probably true for like, this is, this is what, this is what we do. This is, this is not a job, even though I call it my day job. This is not a job. This is our, this is our, our, our mission. This is our, this is our thing. This is what we do. This is who we are. But I, I will say that this year in particular, I've been super mindful of having a pretty 
firm stop and start time to my work day. When that, when the day is over, like I need to take time away from it. You know, I dedicate my evening to, to playing with my kids, you know, tonight already, you know, before we sat down for this interview, we played uh, a game of throw, throw burrito. I don't nice. know if you ever heard of that oh, game. Yeah, it's a fun, fun yeah, card but... game, <laughs> except we're losing. We lost one of the burritos. So we have to oh, throw God. a balled up pair of socks. <laughs> We, but we played a we played a game of throw throw burrito, done a couple Mad Libs, and I, I'm missing the last half of an episode of The Voice. Like you know, from from those hours, that's sure. kid time. Good. You know, so it, it's important to to take care of yourself and know that you know, like I left school today. You know, I, I stayed a half an hour longer than my work day, and when I left, my work was not done. And uh, you know, I, I there was so much more I could have done, and I went. You know what? It, what's appropriate for you is to walk out now. Like you're ready enough for tomorrow. You've you've done your best. You've given it your all. Let's head home. Like it's time. And that's an important piece, right? Like we we don't have to have everything complete. You right. know, there's certain things that have to be done, right? But we're uh, shooting the closest alligator to the boat. Let's say in 2020. Nice. Yeah, Seth Godin. I don't know if you if you follow Seth Godin or read the work of Seth Godin, but like because he, he writes a blog, he writes a daily blog, and he says the blog posts don't come out because they're perfect. They come out because it's time for the blog post to come out. Nice. And I think that really resonates with what we do in teaching. Like the lesson plan's not perfect. We know it's not perfect, but it's time for it. You know, we know it's up to our minimum standard of effectiveness. It's as good as we can get it. And then we're going to reflect on it afterwards. And the next time we do it, it'll be closer to perfect. But sometimes you just you just gotta say, okay, this is as good as it can get and it's time to do it now like it's, it's time for this roll out there this podcast is a proud member of the teach better podcast network better today better tomorrow and the podcast to get you there you can find out more at teachbettercom slash podcast now let's get back to the episode so let's talk about it because you run up your podcast and so i love having mm-hmm. podcasters on because i love hearing the origin story of the podcast and where it originated from. So will you just share with the listeners if they haven't had a chance to listen to you, which they should, because it's a phenomenal podcast. You know, where did that come from? So the podcast is called Educational Duct Tape. And so first up was the idea of Educational Duct Tape. I I had given this, uh, this presentation to a group of undergrad pre-service educators in a uh, college course here nearby in an ed tech course about educational technology. And I gave them this talk about how it's very similar to the message I try to give now, which is educators come out of their college career and they're, they were so excited in those days to use, maybe it was Kahoot or something like that at that time, right? Yeah. I, they're just, I'm just really excited to use Kahoot in class and I've got all these novel ideas to use Kahoot, um, which is fantastic or whatever the tool might be now, but they weren't thinking about even what grade they were teaching or what role they had or what kind of students they had or what technology they had or what their pedagog- pedagogical needs were or what content standards. And they were really just thinking about technology first. And I saw this happening first with those pre-service teachers that I was talking to, but then also with teachers out, out there in the profession, you go to an ed tech conference and you come back with some tools you're excited to use. And so I wanted to get out this message that it's about identifying what you're trying to achieve first and then identifying the technology that does it. Right. Uh, so I always tell this, the story of how it became called educational duct tape, because initially this talk was called choosing educational technology tools for your classroom by identifying your classroom needs and goals and pedagogical standards before thinking about the tools themselves or something, some really long, like 40 word <laughs> title for a talk. And I was like, this is horrible. And I asked the professor um, that taught the class, a friend of mine, like, what do you, th- what do you think about talking? He's like, it was fantastic, but you need a new name for it. I was like, a new name? And he's like, hey, you need something sexier than that 30 word <laughs> title that you just gave me. I'm like, okay, all right, let me go with something different. Um, but I went through this genesis and I, I won't, I won't uh, 
go into the story here, but realize that educational technology is a tool that we use to solve problems and duct tape is the same. Duct tape is a tool that we use to solve problems on our classrooms as uh, that often, maybe sometimes, but in our everyday lives. And so I, I was having so much fun talking about this uh, to educators and presenting about this educators and supporting educators with this, that I really just wanted to spread the message further. Like I literally just, I, I wanted to reach further. I'm sure it's the same thing that, that you were, you were doing early on when you started the show. I just wanted more people to hear about it. And I wanted the opportunity to talk to other people. So what I started doing was calling up education friends, mostly from Twitter, you know, that, that I'd, I'd gotten in contact with there. And we would I'd have one, one guest on and we always just talk about a, a question that an educator might have. Mm-hmm. You know, how can I formatively assess my students or how can I amplify my students' voices or how can I, I, I don't help students take pride in their work or take ownership over their learning or self-assess or whatever a teacher might ask and then identify educational technology tools that do that for us. And uh, so that was the goal of the show because there, no sh- there was no show that was doing that. There are some shows that I even still listen to that go like, today we're going to talk about right. tool X, Y, or Z, which is wonderful because that's a great way to learn about those tools. But I wanted to go the other direction. I wanted to say, Today, we're going to help teachers identify tools to do this thing, right? Sure. And and attack it from that other other angle. And so, yeah, we're going on uh, just about two years now. We're right around 22 months or so right now. It's insane, man. And yeah, it's so, been a fun ride. Jake, I just want the listeners to know, like, you don't just have a podcast. I mean, you do other things, right? So what are some other projects that you're involved with that help teachers and leaders with technology? So I, I do a lot of, well, not as much now because of the school year, but I try to do a lot of sharing and blogging on, on my website. Sometimes there I, I shared these uh, edu gifts, I call them, which is taking uh, the, the popular GIF file type or GIF file type, if you want to say it that way, uh, and turning GIF. it into, <laughs> it's GIF, right? <laughs> it's funny. I was listening to your uh, to your episode with my friend Trevor McKenzie the other day, and he, there was a reference to it in there. I think he said GIF and you said GIF, but he was very, he was very PC about it. He's like, we could see, people can say whatever they want. I'm a little, I'm a little firmer on the hard G side. <laughs> but so I, I create these GIFs that might teach an educator how to uh, set something up in Google Classroom or use Google Drawings or something like that, and I share those out there. Um, when I started making those, I found that they were a really nice bite-sized way for an educator to learn a new technology skill because educators are so busy that they're like, I could record a 12 minute video for you, but you probably don't have time to watch it. Right. right? So I started creating these short gifts that they could watch in 40 seconds and learn Mm -hmm. a new thing. So that's, that's kind of a passion of mine that unfortunately I don't have as much time for right now, but it's something I love doing is is making these blog posts and sharing these gifts. Mm -hmm. And I, I also, I, I also love curating for educators one of my passions is to get on Twitter and I have a, a list of people on Twitter and just go through and see what they're sharing about and go like, Oh, this is, this is awesome. Educators need to hear about this. Right. Mm-hmm. And trying to be that guy that just takes you know a, a couple hundred tweets a day, pulls them out in and spits out the six that everybody should hear about, you know, the ones I'm excited about. And I, right. I love doing that. I, I, um, eat, sleep and breathe educational technology. I'm just so excited about sharing about it and talking about it with people. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and that that passion definitely shows in, in everything that you do, and that's why I'm so drawn to everything that you create. Mm-hmm. Jake, you know, obviously this is a leadership podcast, and a lot of my listeners are seeking some sort of leadership position or trying to make an impact on the campus from the position that they're at. So mm-hmm. for our aspiring leaders who may not have a leadership position, but they want to make an impact, what are some ways that they can do it? Because I know, you know, you're not an administrator, but I know that you have a great impact on your campus and in your community. So what are some things that they can do potentially tomorrow or next week? Yeah, when I was, so when I was a technology coach, 
I feel like I learned a lot of lessons through my mistakes. So I, I was trying to lead educators through a technology coaching model. And I was trying to prescribe to educators what they needed to do uh, and what they should learn about. And I, I knew what technologies were out there. And I knew what I felt like were the right things to do in the classroom. And I was just trying to, I wouldn't say beat them over the head with it, but say like, hey, try, check this out, try this out. And I was, I was overwhelming them and I wasn't inspiring them to follow me, you know, in that. And so I think the biggest thing you have to do is to understand your audience. And I think that's something I've gotten good at doing with the podcast and with Twitter and with my website is I have a feel for what the people who are listening and who are out there want to learn about. And that's like when I'm curating those tweets, right? When I look at a hundred tweets, I know things that are good pieces of technology that the educators that are, that are listening are, aren't particularly interested in. Like it doesn't fit meet their needs. So I have to understand those people. And I think that's a mistake that I made as a technology coach is not looking at things from their perspective as often as I could. I looked at them from my perspective. Like if I was the teacher, this is what I would want to do. Well, no, I'm not the teacher. Well, now I am, <laughs> but then I wasn't. <laughs> they were. What, what, is, what is the thing that's best from their perspective? But, and then even in that situation, you know, even understanding what what's best for them and what fits their needs and understanding things from their perspective, you've also got to, get, got to give them some autonomy over it, right? We, we know from the work of Dan Pink that one of the biggest things that motivates a human being is having autonomy over things. So if I could start my tech coaching position all over again, I, I would do a more more coaching model where I where I work with the educators to help them identify what it is that they're trying to achieve. And then I help, I help walk alongside them on that journey to get there. And I think in all roles of leadership, that's huge is to, is to understand the perspective of the people you're trying to lead and also give them autonomy over where you're going. Since we're talking about inspiration and your passions, what are some tech tools that you like are your go-to things, regardless if it's a hybrid model or a virtual right. learning, like what are, maybe it's even pre-COVID, I don't know, but you know, what were your go-to tools? Well, so so right now I talk a lot right now. I, I I will go during COVID kind of specific on this, but it's they're they're all the time tools. I'm not gonna say like Zoom and Google and Google Meet right now. <laughs> not Zoom. Off. The crazy thing, the crazy thing, Joshua, is we're so we're recording this on Zoom right now yeah. and we got on and Joshua's like, Jake, you're muted. Like, like I haven't been like I haven't been on enough Zoom calls over the last year. Like, how did I still not unmute myself? But anyhow, I, I I've been talking since June about what I call my four MVPs of EdTech for both remote and blended learning from, you know, the educational duct tape mindset. And what I did was after, you know, in the spring, we were all just in survival mode. Yeah. Like, like I said earlier, we're like, okay, I'm going to use Screencastify, I'm going to use Zoom, and I'm going to use Google Classroom. I got to make this happen now. But then over the summer, I said, okay, I got, a, I got a couple weeks to take a kind of a breather here and kind of reset ourselves. And I said, what are, what are some big tools? What are some tools that an educator can learn this one tool and it can meet a lot of needs they have in the classroom. Mm -hmm. You know, like there are a lot of wonderful tools out there like quizzes and remind. And uh, uh, we talked about Kahoot earlier and things like that where they do one thing really, really well. Yep. Right. And they're wonderful. But what are some tools that do a lot of things? And so I sat down and I wrote down like, what are my goals in my classroom? You know, so and I ended up with 15 goals, you know, ranging from giving my students feedback to formatively assessing my students to communicating with parents to getting feedback from the kids. I had 15 different things. And I said, what tools hit a lot of these? And the tools I came up with were Flipgrid, which I think is huge in remote learning, but also huge in a face to face classroom. Um, screencasting, which I think is huge in both of them. 
Uh, most educators use either Screencastify or Loom. I don't think it really matters what tool you use as long as you're comfortable with it and meets your need. Mm -hmm. uh, third was Edpuzzle. I think if you're using yes. videos and you're not using Edpuzzle uh, with it, you're crazy. Yep. Um, and the fourth was either Pear Deck or Nearpod or one of the comparable tools. There are a couple other ones that are kind of similar. Pear Deck and Nearpod, by the way, um, are both equally wonderful. I mean, yeah. if you're if you're an educator and you're trying to decide between the two of them, you really can't go wrong with no, them. I agree. Um, but yeah, so so those are my four: Flipgrid, um, screen a screencasting tool, uh, Edpuzzle, and then Pear Deck or Nearpod. Now, in my classroom right now, I'm not using all of them extensively. Like for example, in my room this year, just what's working best for me in my current setting is Pear Deck. That's the one I'm using the most. I use the other three tools some, but I'm using Pear Deck a lot. Um, previously I might not have, you know, sure. if my, my setup was different, I might use a different one. So I like to tell educators, like, even though these are the four tools that I think these are the big winners that hit a lot of goals. Um, it doesn't mean they're the only tools you can use. And it doesn't mean you have to use all four of them, right? You yeah. need to pick, um, make it manageable for yourself and pick things that really meet the needs you have in your classroom. You, you can attack those struggle points that you're having. Mm -hmm. All of those tools my teachers are using extensively right now. I couldn't agree with you more. Those are fabulous. Yeah. So thank you for all of those. And then Jake, you had mentioned, you know, you're active on social media. I think you have some amazing tools. So for our listeners, if they want to connect with you on social media, how can they do that? So I am at Jake Miller Tech on, on all of the social medias, except for TikTok. I, I just can't. <laughs> Me neither. <laughs> right. I, actually, the problem with TikTok is I know that if I went on TikTok, I would lose literally hours a day <laughs> laughing at stuff and recording videos. Yeah. So I just can't. I just can't. I, I don't have those hours to give up to it. That's funny. I feel the exact same way. What about educational duct tape? Educational duct tape, you could find more information about at eduducttape.com. Uh, and, and whenever we tweet about it or anything like that, we use the hashtag eduducttape. Easy to find it that way. Jake, I value you as an educator, a leader, and someone who has a phenomenal grasp on technology tools. I just appreciate your time so much. Thank you for being on the Spire Podcast. Thanks, man. Josh, I feel very similar about, about the work that you're doing and the passion you bring to education and the support that you're giving to educators and educators as they, as they work on their journey to becoming leaders in the classroom and their schools too. So thank you.